welcome to the Bull City Summit podcast. I'm your host for today, Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence and one of the proud sponsors of the Bull City Summit. Our guest today is Rick French, chairman and CEO of French West Vaughn, one of the most lauded, admired, praised PR firms in the Southeast. That sounds cool, but if you dig into his bio, Rick is actually one of those, what in the world am I doing with my life type of guys. He's a 2018 NC Media and Journalism Hall of Fame inductee, a national trustee of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Museum, co-owner of the Daytona Tortugas, the Advanced A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds, and he is a managing partner of pre-productions, a feature film and documentary production company. Rick, I truly appreciate time on your busy calendar. Well, Jason, thanks for having me. And that's a lot of adjectives you used at the beginning of it. Uh, I appreciate it very much. The the kind words are, are always nice to hear. Well, it, it's real, right? I mean, you've been running yeah. French West Vaughn for 24 years or so, and it's one of the most well-known PR firms in the in the Southeast, and now in, what, New York and Philly and all those different places? Yeah, so it'll be 25 years in April. Yeah, I found the founded the agency on St. Patrick's Day for the luck of the Irish. I actually opened our doors on April Fool's Day because I figured at the time I had to be a fool to actually decide I wanted to run an agency. <laughs> So I thought it was appropriate. So uh, our 25-year anniversary will be on April 1st, right around the time of the uh, Bull City Summit. And uh, yes, it's been it's been a really fun ride. And the the success of the agency, you know, we're in New York, Los Angeles, Tampa, Boston, here in Raleigh, which is our headquarters, and now in San Francisco. And, uh, you know, the success of the agency has allowed me to get involved in a number of other creative ventures, you know, whether it's music or film and television production or professional baseball and other sports interests. And so, um, you know, I've got a, a small private equity fund where I invest in creative ideas and, um, and, and things that are one degree of separation from what I know well, which seems to be, uh, music, arts, and media yeah. and so, and sports. And so, uh, so that's what I've been doing. That's awesome, man. Life goals for sure. Um, well, we're here to talk about the Bull City Summit and, uh, it's a brand new multi-day Music, Art, Technology, and Science Festival uh, set to debut in downtown Durham, March 23rd through 26th. Um, so we're going to get into what's ahead in the science and technology piece of it. But let's start with this. How did French West Fawn get involved with BCS? So we had an opportunity to work with Prague, who's uh, the, really the creative genesis behind this festival, uh, on a previous business venture. Uh, smart, creative guy. He's obviously been very uh tuned into the festival business, the music and arts and culture side of, of our community. And so when he approached me with this idea, I said, look, we're, we're in. Uh, I've been involved in helping do the programming for South by Southwest in the past, helping put some, uh, some panels and select some of the musicians that perform there through uh, some of my music boards and associations. Uh, the Rock Hall was a good partner to South by Southwest and is, um, but so is the Texas Heritage Songwriters Association, which I also serve on the board of. So I had a chance to do some programming and and uh, and choose both emerging artists as well as uh, legendary artists who have performed there. So I saw an opportunity to uh, to take something small here in the first year and build it into something South by Southwest-like and the opportunity to be kind of a founding partner in making that happen, you know, aligned with a guy who has had success in doing that was something that, uh, that we jumped at the opportunity to be involved with. Yeah. I mean, same. So like, you know, when I met with Parag and he told us the concept of it, 
and you talked about it being the South by Southwest of the Southeast and, you know, other places that could go. And, and it's just like this vision for this conference is phenomenal. And, and I'm excited to be a part of it and something that's on the ground floor of what could be a, a huge, huge event um, in the next few years. So yeah. yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I've attended South by Southwest every year for, oh gosh, it's probably been 18, 19 years straight. I'll, I'll be there again right before a Bull City Summit. Annually host a party that kicks off the music portion of the of the what's called the crossover from interactive and film into music. Another music organization I'm involved with and on the board of is the Buddy Holly Educational Foundation, and we host the annual kickoff party that crosses over on the Tuesday. So um, we've got. We've had big name artists uh, come in and perform for us. Everyone from the Black Pumas to this year, Chuck Prophet is coming in. And, um, you know, we've had guys like Willie Nile and really amazing artists that we uh, we curate ourselves. Um, so, you know, I, looked, I, I look at that. I look at wh- how that thing has grown and what it has done for the Austin region and look at what something like this could do for the triangle and just think it's, it's really, really exciting. And, you know, I think that Bull City Summit is slightly different than South by Southwest in that South by Southwest seems very focused and is very focused in music, interactive technology, film. They have other legs under the stool. They have comedy. They have various other things. We are focusing a little bit more on the roots of this community in science and technology. So they don't do a lot in science. They do a lot in tech. Obviously, we both have music in common. And I would imagine that as this thing grows, that we will find ways to incorporate film and uh, other creative elements of the festival. You know, this is... uh, you know, South by Southwest didn't become what it is today overnight. It's taken many, many years. I know the founders very well. And they had a vision for what it could become, and they stayed very true to that. So I think if we stay true to our roots and our vision and build it out there, it can be very much like that. Now, in saying that, what I would say about South by is that it struggled with its own identity over the years because it started as very indie-oriented. Then all the big corporate brands flowed into it, and it became very commercial. And you had, you know, you had pop-up performances by Prince, by Bruce Springsteen. You know, Garth Brooks came a few years ago and did something out on on the lake. You know, Lady Gaga. I could go on and on and on. And while there's still a little bit of that element to South by this year, uh, they're bringing in Sean Mendez, uh, Lizzo's speaking, and not to ruin the surprise, but she's expected to do a showcase, pop-up showcase. Sarah Bareilles is doing that. There's still some of that, but they're trying to dial it back to stay true to the roots of indie. And I think with what we're trying to do, we're staying very focused in the early stages on Andy, and we will probably build out with more national artists and sprinkle some in over time. But this is such a, a music-rich area, and we have so many great artists and uh, both individuals and bands that we could draw from. And, and there's a lot of national artists that live in this market that a lot of people yeah. don't even realize live here. 
that once we build this thing out, may decide to come on board. So it's really exciting uh, in terms of the potential this has. Yeah. And the science and technology piece, I mean, there's so many tech firms here, so many, so much science and tech talent in this area. And you see that with all these companies coming in, right, with Apple and Google and uh, and, and all those. And so, you know, let's talk about some of the the science and technology from, from the summit. Um, and that's part of the differentiating factor of BCS and South by Southwest. So what's exciting about science and technology uh, for, our, for our listeners here? So, you know, one of the things I'm personally most interested in are the NFT panels and cryptocurrency. Uh, to be honest with you, I've struggled to understand it. You know, I've, I'm in a lot of different businesses and understanding the nuances of blockchain and crypto and NFT is something that I want to become better educated on. So I, I'm excited to, uh, to listen in on that panel. I'm involved in a project that, uh, an NFT creation that is expected to raise literally millions of dollars for a nonprofit. And I'm still struggling, even though I'm putting the creative end of the project together to fully understand how we're going to monetize this and, and so on. So that's really interesting to me personally. Yeah. Um, and obviously the music side, there's just so many great artists I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. Okay. So all the NFT stuff, like I haven't dug into it too much either. It sounds like you have at least a little bit. Um, can you attempt to explain to our listeners just the basics of NFTs <laughs> um, so that there's a baseline of when they go to the, the summit? Sure. So I mean, an NFT essentially, and I hope I don't butcher this for people out there listening who really understand it better than I do, but is built on a blockchain technology in which you are putting individual unique code and pieces together to create something that is very unique and is, is a digital asset that is can be owned by one person or fractionally owned by multiple people and like a piece of art it has unique value in that there is only one of them. And using an art analogy, there may be the original master, right? And then there are prints in some cases. Well, in this case, in many with NFTs, I think what makes them valuable is the scarcity of a single one, a single piece of art and so on. Now, how you value those, I'm still struggling to understand myself the value of a digital NFT. And people far smarter than myself will get on those panels and probably explain that to us, and I'll walk yeah. away hopefully a little more enlightened. I've got I've got a project. I'll, I'll just go off the yeah, top for a second. That. That's um, for the Who's charity, uh, Teen Cancer America. I have the privilege of serving on their board of directors as well. It's called the Who Cares Foundation, and their outgrowth of the uh, of that particular organization is Teen Cancer America. And what Teen Cancer America, what Roger and Pete do, and and our board and our number of artist ambassadors, everyone from Ed Sheeran and Eddie Vedder to Joan Jed and Dave Grohl and others, all work together to raise money to build out um, unique hospital units. We actually fund those in hospitals around the country and staff them to address the very specific needs of young adults and adolescents that are dealing with cancer who tend to fall through the cracks. They're mm -hmm. not children right. who are dealt with in a pediatric setting, and they're not adult oncology yeah. uh, patients. And so 
we are in 40 some hospitals around the country and we're doing a unique NFT, coming back to the story, in which 60 of the greatest musicians of all time um, are collaborating on a song similar to a We Are the World. And it'll be packaged with unique artwork by, not to give away the surprise, a very prominent artist, but people like Bruce Springsteen and Eric Clapton and uh, Brian May and Keith Richards and Keith Urban and so on oh have gosh. all laid down tracks for a single song that then will be auctioned off as an NFT. It's expected to raise millions because there will only be one copy of the song. Yeah. Now, whoever owns that can choose then how they monetize it, but um, they've all come together to collaborate. Mark, uh, Mark Knopfler, the uh, legendary lead of Dire Straits is producing it for us and is involved himself. And we're daily getting calls from people asking if they can be part of it. So it's very much like a We Are the World. And we'll take all the proceeds and we'll build out more teen cancer units and hospitals. The idea behind the NFT is that if we just produce a song today, it would be difficult to distribute. It, it's not set up to be on an album. As a single, you can get, you can put it out as a, a on streaming, and you could have a number of hits, but you can't make any money in streaming these days, right? right? That's why every artist who is going out and touring is uh, doing so because that's where the money is to be made. You know, we live in a singles universe, not an album universe anymore. And so, when you're thinking about how musicians can become involved and in a great cause and something that they're passionate about. The NFT becomes very valuable because you can, you can create it as a one-off. It becomes essentially the master. And whoever buys that then has the opportunity to do what they want with it. So um, that kind of technology is really important now in the music industry. And, and it's something that we're, um, we're still learning ourselves. We're learning how successful we'll find out pretty soon here, how successful it will really be. But in the same way that somebody would buy a piece of art or, um, you know, a vintage guitar by Clapton that he played at, you know, when he was uh, in Cream, yeah, you know, you, they they're likely to buy this song, and and it's likely to go into the millions of dollars worth of value. That's amazing, and uh, that's the best explanation of NFTs I've heard. Um, well, thank you. So, like, I I now understand it better, and I see the the value of it, um, especially in the in the music industry. So. I'll be curious uh, to to hear all about these panels or what the education is on these panels because I want to learn more about this too and how it can really apply to the artist market and like what the future of NFTs are for music and you know your example is that a model that could be replicated for for years to come and uh, I hope it is because I mean if if we can raise millions for charities um, with all these artists that are doing a song together I mean that's that's huge. Well, this one, it is, and this one's extraordinarily unique because you have the, you have the pull of a Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend making the ass, yeah. right? But then um, it's just kind of amplified. Once artists hear, wow, all these guys are involved, then they want to be involved. So this one will be unique, but we're testing it too. We're hoping that it's going to generate those kind of proceeds. We actually think it will, especially with the unique piece of art that uh, Sir Peter Blake is creating for us. Wow. Um, but 
we don't know. Yeah. You know, we'll see. Yep. But but if it does work and it does generate, then think of the possibilities because, you know, there are so many good-hearted artists and musicians out there who are willing to give back. And if you make it easy on them, if it's laying down particular tracks where we're not asking them to travel and do benefit concerts and do the things we normally would do to raise money, it's got a world of potential. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to see how that plays out. I'm excited to hear how those who really understand the space are monetizing it, uh, what the opportunities are for investors. Uh, and, and just, I think we all have to understand it more. You know, if there's going to be an alternate currency out there, you know, we're all so used to reaching yeah. into our wallets and pulling out either cash or a credit card. We need to understand how this is going to affect our daily lives. And so I think the people that come to those panels will will probably get a lot out of it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're on the ground floor of the NFTs, just like at French West Vaughn is on the ground floor of the, the BCS Summit. Um, or I guess I should say the Bull City Summit. <laughs> so let's get back to some of the, the panels, the technology panels. I, uh, I read that there's one on technologies used for sustainable agriculture and climate effect. Mm-hmm. Um, can, can you talk about that? Like, what, what, is, what is that about? Well, I think that um, what they're trying to do, well, what, in, a, in a macro sense, right, is find ways to farm, find ways to produce food for our population that is, uh, does less damage to our environment, right? right. Uh, and that is from farming techniques, that is from uh, how we raise livestock, various other things. I think their technology is pervasive in our lives, right? And of course, we are a huge agriculture state, yeah. right? Uh, I think we're the leading pork producer in the United States. So the conversations that are being had are going to have a direct impact on industry here in North Carolina and how they go about practicing their business going forward. Right. Um, so it's a conversation that I would think uh, a lot of people would have, um, especially with uh, ag-based college like NC State here and so on. A lot of people would have a lot of interest and a lot of points of view about. Right. Right. Well, Rick, you are headlining a panel or you're leading a discussion on mental health. Um, can you talk about that one? Sure. I'm happy to do that. Um, it, it's it's an issue that I've been paying very close attention to over the last few years, especially in light of the pandemic. Um, yeah. What struck me is a couple things. There was a story I read about the disproportionately high percentage of musician and artists who are used to collaborating with one another and mm-hmm. then going out and plying their trade in front of live audiences and their inability to do so during the pandemic yeah. and make a living. And the high percentage of mental health uh, claims and stress it was putting, the suicide rates really jumped. And I thought to myself, you know, this is something we've really got to keep an eye on, uh, the hidden costs of this pandemic. And there were a number of artists who just either got out of that as their profession because they couldn't play gigs anymore. Right. It's an inherently difficult lifestyle, right? And uh, there was a, there's a project that's being done here by a friend of mine who was got 60 or so musicians together to create a new album 
that uh, is all North Carolina-based musicians. And it's to raise money for mental health services and awareness for the music community Yeah, because they saw the same problem. And so um, what I wanted to do is put a panel together of, uh, of leading uh, psychiatrists, of a, uh, a mental health therapist that is on the front lines that are dealing with people in the creative community and other aspects of business as well, and then pull in um, uh, people from uh, uh, Triangle Family Service, so a social service network, as well as an organization out of out of New York that is doing something using like healthy lifestyles to advance the idea of a healthy mental outlook. So we put a really cool panel together to kind of just have an open discussion about how um, how the pandemic has affected them and how you can live your best life. Mm-hmm. In other words, it it's fine to sit here and talk about all of the the downside of what all of us have gone through. Like everybody has dealt with mental health issues and stresses that they didn't anticipate through sure. this pandemic. But coming out of it, how do we live our best life? How do we use effective, positive thinking uh, to kind of emerge from this dark shadow and uh, and spread a message of hope? And so that's the conversation. You know, we'll deal in the beginning of the panel with the problems. We're really going to focus very much on the solutions. And if somebody is struggling, what help is available to them? Mm-hmm. How do they go about that? Um, our, our creative community here in the Triangle is extraordinarily important to the economy. It is important to the quality of life in the region. It's why people are moving here. And so if we don't support that community, we we won't have the same quality of life. We won't have the same standards that are the, that everybody's finding so attractive. And I think uh, communities such as Austin, Nashville, the Triangle, Seattle, are at the forefront of leading those conversations about about how we how we maintain our creative excellence. Mm. And it's important to my business, obviously, yeah. right? We're a creative. Uh, uh, agency. We're a public relations and advertising and digital media agency that relies on great creative ideas yeah. uh, to do the work that we do. So it's at one degree of separation, just like the investments I do. And so when I saw the opportunity to have a smart discussion with people about how we can how we can focus not on the problems, but the solutions, then, um, you know, just like the summit itself, I jumped at the opportunity to kind of lead the conversation. And it's really going to be people who are the experts in that area who who will um, enlighten all of us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't wait for the the mental health panel. Like, It's been such a hot topic, and I've seen some panels about mental health recently, and uh, just always something there that you'll go back on and be like, oh, yes, that's why uh, you know, I, I haven't felt as great as I could have. And, oh, yeah, that's a great tip for you know making sure that you know, I feel better about myself um, in this situation, or my team feels better about themselves in, in this situation. So I'm very excited for that one. Well, I'll tell you, I you know, one of the panelists um, that's participating, Mona Gupta, who's got a, a very successful uh, practice here in the Triangle, psychiatric practice and, and so on. Uh, she was a guest recently as a favor to me on Perez Hilton's podcast uh-huh. nationally. 
And they talked about the challenges, the mental health. And Perez shared his very public struggles he has had in the pandemic with mm. uh, with mental health issues. He was very open and honest about it. And uh, he is he's somebody that was used to in the LA market being at all the events, the red carpets, right? Sure. It was in it was it was endemic to his identity. And without those taking place being sequestered at home. Um, he is he really, really struggled and is, is very open and now has become this big mental health advocate. I've got a friend of mine who is a very, very prominent national musician that I'm sure everybody in this podcast would be familiar with. Um, and I don't want to share it, but he has really struggled with depression during this, uh, this period for the reasons I cited earlier. He feeds off of the energy of a crowd and touring, and he was so used to being on the road, right, never being home. That was just part of it. When I was all of a sudden at home, not able to collaborate, having to, you know, uh, exchange uh, parts of a song with his other bandmates, uh, he has really, really struggled and got into deep doubt. The, bouts of depression that led to more alcohol um, use. It started to develop an alcohol problem and uh, had to end up going to rehab. He had been on the road in a fairly regimented routine for you know many, many years, right? Selling out amphitheaters and stadiums and all of a sudden found himself in a place he never expected. Mm. And so... Um, you know, as a friend, you want to help that person, but but you also realize how easy it is for somebody to slide into that mindset. And uh, I think it's also really important to understand, and this probably will come through, or maybe it won't, because I don't know the degree that they want to share this, but even for those in the mental health profession, if if the volume of people that need support is just coming at you nonstop. You don't have a time to deal with your own mental health. Right. You don't have a chance to to kind of decompress from it. You're helping other people. You're so focused on that. And it can wear on you. So I think there's a high, there's a higher burnout rate among yeah. just like with physicians who are dealing with COVID, the burnout rate with mental health professionals is now higher because they just feel like I am spending all day hearing problems. Yeah. And imagine how difficult that is when you go home to turn that off in your head. Right. So we're seeing a we're seeing stress on our physicians and mental health community. And those are two absolutely critical groups of, of, of practitioners that help us, yeah. you know, in, in our own health. So um, it's really important that we support them and recognize even the, own, the struggles that they're going through in helping others. Yeah. Well, that's a question for Dr. Gupta on the right. panel, right? Yeah, for I, sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, Rick, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited for the, the Bull City Summit here. Um, this is just year one. I mean... What does it look like five, five years from now? That's a great question. I mean, I, I think that if we do this the right way and we underpromise and overdeliver, right, it'll grow. I think the biggest thing when you create something is if there's unrealistic expectations. 
this is not somebody coming to this is not coming to this year's South by right. That has a thirty plus year head start on us. Yeah. So it's going to take a little bit of time. Um, so I think we've got a really good, smart, curated set of panels and artists. And um, I think that in five years, you're going to see it being more pervasive, probably expanding beyond just Durham. We'll say. I mean, mm-hmm. Durham's big enough to support it on its own. I think you'll see um, it expand a little bit beyond local and regional programming to probably a little more national programming. That tends to become the natural evolution of, of um, festivals and conferences like this. But I think that it needs to remain uniquely rooted in this community and its DNA. That's what will make it really successful. You know, one of the things Austin has done, you know, Austin has the, the famous catchphrase of, you know, keep Austin weird, yeah. right? There's a funny story behind that. The original, the original um, uh, line was keep Austin wired. It got misconstrued and somebody picked it up and that became <laughs> keep Austin weird and that just became its rallying cry. Oh my gosh. So we just – but what's, what's important about that is it's still a quirky, unique, grungy kind of festival. Um, we'll have to identify what our DNA is with yeah. this thing and, and stay true to it. But I think it'll, um, I think this has got something that has real staying power. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing that will be important is that it has the financial support of different organizations to give it time to get its sea legs under it. And there are some really great partners with WeWorks and with Tito's and various other that have come on board and and are jumping into this. And once uh, corporate partners see it as being successful, they will flood into it as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Durham, I think, is part weird, part yeah. super smart, part uh, so artistic. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's all of those things. Well, Rick, I mean, thank you so much for, for coming on. I mean, obviously, you've got a very impressive Rolodex of people and uh, um, partnerships that you could get behind and you are putting your time into this Bull City Summit. And so we, we certainly uh, appreciate that. How can listeners connect with with you and, and French West Vaughn? So uh, social media handles were, were pretty easy to find. You know, our, um, you know, our website is fwv-us.com. And we're, you know, we're on all the major social media platforms and, and always happy to connect with like-minded people and and be supportive. And I, I hope I hope beyond the panels that people will also come out. There's some really great artists that um, that we've curated this year. You know, as somebody involved in the industry and looking at who Prague has has been able to attract, it's like wow. There's there's some that people may not be as familiar with, but are right worth now. seeing. You know, if you yeah. see a band like uh, one that I picked out that I really really liked their sound was the new specialties. Uh, or new special, yes, yeah, new specialists. I'm trying to remember, I hadn't been familiar with them. I listened to their stuff. I was like, "Wow, that's just channeling." the The lead singer was channeling Amy Winehouse. I oh. mean, just fabulous. And I'm like, "Wow, I need to go see that." You know, and you know, with Juice Lord and Tommy Sunshine and you know, 3 A.M. Sound. There's some. There's some that have broken out nationally, and uh, 
So the showcases will also be great. So, you know, beyond the panels, hopefully people will stick around. Yeah. Go to the go to the showcases, go to the parties. That's what makes this thing bind together. Um, so we're excited and and yeah, I hope people will connect with us and I look forward to uh, to experiencing a lot of the uh, the whole festival myself and being there and I hope people will say hi and and uh, you know, let let's build this thing together. You know, oh. this is not this is not something that, uh, you know, that 10 of us sit, sit around in a room and can make successful. We can create the idea, but the community has to embrace it and decide that they're going to help build it with us and bringing us ideas. And we welcome those. Yeah, they will embrace it for sure. And anybody listening to this, if you're looking for tickets to the Bull City Summit, go to bullcitysummit.com. Tickets are on sale right now. All right. Well, for uh, sitting across from me, Rick French from Frenchman's Vaughn. I'm Jason Gillikin, CEO of EarFluence, and we'll see you next time on the Bull City Summit Podcast. This podcast is a production of EarFluence. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of EarFluence.